All right. If you're turning with me in your Bibles, we're going to start in Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Today, I just want to talk to you for a few minutes about being part of God's story. That God has a story that he's writing, and, and we get to be a part of that. And the things that we choose can determine how big of a part we get to be. Right, do we, or we want to be a part, do we want to be a part of God's story? Because his story's huge, and it's been going on for, for thousands of years. So just start thinking about that. Do you want to be big? Do you want to be little? you want to be a big part or a little part? Those of you that don't know, I have, I had to think about it. I have five sisters and four brothers. And all the time growing up, since there were ten of us, it was separated into the five big kids and the five little kids. And it had nothing to do with anything except for the fact of, you know, what year you were born. You know, the, the five oldest were the five big kids and the five little kids were the five youngest. So me and Kasha and Nathaniel and Levi and Favor got to be the five big kids and we still are. And they're still the five little kids even though Canaan's taller than us. So what? still a little kid and it used to really aggravate the little kids especially when they were like teenagers and stuff and they were still called the little kids they still get to sit at the little kid table they get to sit at a little kid table and eat hot dogs and we get to sit at the big kid adult table and eat steaks and they're still little kids but look now Canaan is the youngest so we'll use him as the example like he's the youngest and he's what are you, six, five? He's six feet, five inches tall. But if he still walked around thinking he was the little kid, and telling everybody he was a little kid, and then at family gatherings, he went and sat at the little kid table and got a hot dog and sat over there belly aching because he can't have a steak like Big Dusty. Right? And how he wished he could live. I wish I could do everything Dusty can do. But I'm just a little old Canaan. Right? If, if that was his mindset. And it sounds kind of ridiculous because he's an adult. And he has different things that he can do. And, it, and if we're even talking about natural size, he's actually taller than me. But he's not wider. <laughs> and that's not a good thing. Right? <laughs> but he could hold himself back in his mind. If he just still thought he was little, right? If he thought there were areas in the family that he wasn't allowed to access because he wasn't mature enough or old enough or smart enough or talented enough or there are certain tables that he's not allowed at or welcome at because he's going to spill something or he... It would keep him from being a man. It would keep him from being an adult. He would be stuck under a label that may have been valid at the time because he was a little kid and he did make messes. Don't let that be you in life and in the spirit. And I, I know you've been through things in your past and, and some of it was valid and some of it was false labels that people put on you and some of it was abuse and hard times that you went through and nobody chooses what family they're born into and not like... 
you don't have to allow that to hold you back. God calls you to live a big life. He calls you his sons and daughters, and you have every right and privilege to come into the throne room, to come into your dad's presence, to, to live a big life, to, to be a part of his story. He invites us to be part of his story. What if you loved football and you had the talent to play in the NFL? But you sat out in the backyard pretending all the time. Throwing footballs over the mountains and campers and stuff. And just talking to everybody about how good you are. And you never went and played in the NFL. You just beat your own kids in your backyard. You're like a waste. Right? If you really had that talent inside of you to go do something great and all you ever did with it was just wasted it. Don't let that be you. We talked about what, a couple weeks ago about the greatness that's inside of you. Don't let that be wasted in your backyard. And if you can throw it over the mountain, go for it. But don't snuff out the greatness that's inside of you. Some of us are living in our backyards pretending. Don't be a poser. Don't lie to yourself. So I guess my question is, what are you looking for? What is it that you're seeking? What are you looking for out of life? What, what are you looking for out of your family? What, what is it that you seek? Or better yet, what are you seeking first? We're probably all seeking all kinds of things. Some of us are seeking houses and spouses and mouses. I don't, can't think of anything else that rhymes with those. <laughs> I hope you're not seeking mouses, but it's obtainable. We're probably all seeking all kinds of things. You might be seeking fame or you might be seeking money or you might be seeking, I don't know, all kinds of things. But what really matters and what we're about to see is what are you seeking first? You can seek after all kinds of stuff, and you are, whether you know it or not. But what are you seeking first? Look what Jesus said, Matthew 6, verse 33. And before this, just to give some context, he's talking to the disciples about, about what they're going to wear and food and clothes and drink and stuff. All the stuff. And we could add in cars and money and clothes and houses and just all kind of stuff. And then and Jesus tells them, this is what the Gentiles are seeking after. This is what the world's looking for. This is what they're seeking first. This is their number one priority. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. So we know that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness is your right standing with God and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. But look, that's not it. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Not your righteousness. Not some other form of righteousness. His righteousness. And that word that was used there is a Greek word. It was translated righteousness. His righteousness. God's righteousness. And that word means 
what is right or justice? Justice, what is right? The act of doing what is in agreement with God's standards. Jesus said, do the right thing. Seek ye first the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, and justice. Make the world a better place. Do all the good that you can. We're supposed to be seeking justice. What is right? And then what? And all these things, what things? That, what they were just talking about. Food and clothes and houses and everything else that everybody else is worried about. All these things shall be added unto you. Jesus said, if you'll just seek these things first. Well, what does first mean? Above all else. That they would be more important than stuff. That doing the right thing and seeking justice would be more important than your new truck or that seek the kingdom and what God says first and then all these other things they'll be added to you everything else you need you'll get it that's what Jesus said so seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you and we spend so much time seeking following things chasing things and seeking things and searching for things in Psalms 23 David tells us that if we follow the shepherd that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives but we follow things that were meant to follow us See, the way God set it up is if you will seek the things you're supposed to seek and run after, then these other things are supposed to follow you. Goodness and mercy and all these things will follow you. They'll get in line. But when you get it out of order and you're seeking after the things, that's where we get messed up. We were meant to follow God and our purpose in our lane. And all the other stuff, it'll follow. Or as Jesus said, it'll be added unto you. Goodness and mercy, they can follow me. I've decided in this year my feelings can follow me. But I'm not going to follow them. Because I get off track. Every time I chase a feeling. Oh, that'd be a good song. Chasing a feeling. Every time I chase feelings. What do you mean chase feelings? But I mean put them first. Seek ye first a feeling. I might feel angry. I might feel there's all kind of feelings. I can't chase feelings and be the man that God's called me to be. I can't chase feelings and be big. I can't chase my giftings. But as I chase my purpose, my giftings will chase me. My feelings can follow me, but I won't follow them. 
So what is the dream that, that God placed in your heart? Maybe it's blurry because it's still kind of far away. Or maybe it's blurry because you left it a long time ago. Maybe you can't see it. Maybe it's impossible. I want to tell you today that you can chase or you can run after that dream, that goal for your life, that career, fame, whatever. Or you can chase God and the dream, His dream for you, the one He placed in your heart, it'll follow. Let it follow you. What do we do? We do what's right. We just saw Jesus said, seek justice. Look at Micah 6, 8. I'm going to read it to you in the message and King James. Here's the instructions. It makes it really simple on what we're supposed to do. Easy. But he's already made it plain how to live. Yes. What to do. What God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Oh, okay. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Look how King James words that. And then we'll talk about it for a minute. So this is how we live it out. He hath showed thee, old man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, or do justice, and to love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. So, walk humbly with your God. What's he mean by that? Just don't get too big for your britches. Remember where you came from. Remember you needed God. You're not. Walk humbly with your God. And then... You know, we're going in reverse order here because I want to talk about do justice last. So don't get too big for yourself. Love mercy. Now remember what mercy is. Mercy is when you deserve something bad and you don't get it. It's the easiest way to describe mercy. And that God had mercy on all of us because we've all sinned. We all deserved sin, which is death. And so we've all received mercy. But that's what mercy is. And I think it's pretty cool that we're instructed to love mercy. He tells us to do justice right, and to walk humbly. But he said, you need to love mercy. Well, why do I need to love mercy? Because sometimes I don't love mercy. Remember what we talked about last week? The thing that you love, you look more like. The longer you love it, the more you look like it. And also, what you love, you build. At the end of your life, when you look back on your life, it'll be pretty obvious what you loved. By what you built. 
the relationships and the life that you built, uh, what you love. So, so here we're instructed to love mercy. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes I just do mercy. I don't love it. Sometimes I want to see people get what they deserve. Not right. But you do too. Whether you want to admit it or not. Like sometimes I don't love mercy. I just more do mercy. That's what I'm supposed to do. Or maybe I don't. Here it says that we have to love mercy. Because what you love, you start to look like. And what you love, you build. Remember when Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive... No, excuse me. It says, for they shall be shown mercy. Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. When are they going to be shown mercy? When they look in the mirror. They'll be shown mercy. Because they're going to look like mercy. Because they love mercy. And when they mess up. They'll be shown mercy. Because they gave mercy. And they need mercy. And so they'll see it then. They'll be shown mercy. And when somebody else in their life messes up. Guess what? They'll see mercy. Because they love mercy. And they've been given mercy. That's what we're supposed to look like. So he said, be humble and love mercy. But he said to do justice. This takes action. Justice takes action. Do justice. Justice has an action. It doesn't say admire justice. It doesn't even say believe in justice. Which is a good thing if you believe in justice. But we as Jesus followers and as Christians, we're instructed to do justice. Not just like it or love it or agree with it or believe in it. We're instructed to do it. That takes action. He said do justice. Why? Because this is who you are. This is what you're supposed to look like. In the world that you're placed in, you need to do justice. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. You can't step back and say, Justice is not my responsibility. That's not who we are. You see, a man or a woman of integrity does justice. They make the world a better place. They act on behalf of others. They stand up for the weak. Look what the prophet Isaiah said in, in Isaiah 117. Learn to do right. He said, learn to do right. 
Seek justice. So he assumes that we, not, we may not know how to do right. Because that's the only reason you need to learn something is if you don't know how to do it. Or you don't know it, so you have to learn it. So he says, learn to do right. How many things have you had to learn in your life? I've learned a lot. Still learning a lot. You ever learn how to ride a bike? It took a whole lot of crashes probably and wrecks and pedaling and maybe help from somebody else or maybe you had training wheels, maybe you didn't. You ever learn how to drive a stick shift? Well, half of y'all didn't. <laughs> the great divide. You ever learn how to play an instrument or play a sport? You know what it takes? Discipline and time. And you keep going back to it and you don't learn something in a day. And the harder it is and the more complex it is and the better you want to be at it, the more you have to keep going back to it. You want to learn something? If you want to learn he told us, learn to do right. What does that mean? I'm going to have to keep on practicing. Doing the right thing, doing the right thing, doing the right thing. Over and over and over and over and over. Until I perfect it. I'm going to keep doing the right thing. You, you have to keep doing it over and over. At first, doing right may not even feel right. Because it goes against your selfish sin nature. It goes against the selfishness that you were born with. A lot of times to do the right thing, it might not even feel right. But you do what is right because it is right until it feels right. You do what's right because it's right until it feels right. You just keep doing it until doing right becomes second nature. So learn to do right what the verse says and what and seek justice seek it Remember we started out talking about what you're seeking first you, you here Isaiah is telling us that we need to seek justice we need to do the right thing but seek it because remember what Jesus said if you seek you will find whatever you're looking for so if you're seeking justice you're going to find justice Seek justice. You don't hope justice comes to you or to the people that you see oppressed. You pursue it. You seek it. You take a stand. The rest of the verse says, Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. And plead the case of the widow. There's one consistent narrative here. Use your power to protect the powerless. Use your strength to bring justice to those who have no justice. If a man is 
beating up a little girl in the foyer when we leave. Imagine if a grown man was standing out there and had like my beautiful little niece Paisley and he was out there punching her. Would you not do something? Would you not seek justice? If you turn your head and walk away, you are a coward. And you are almost just as bad as the man doing the injustice. It's easy to see, and 100% of us agree on that level. You don't count the cost. He could beat me up. I better not get involved in that. I might get my nose broke. No. We stand up for the weak. We step in. Where there is wrong, we bring right. Where there is darkness, we bring light. That's who we are. It's who we're called to be. Don't turn your head. Don't walk away. Remember that scene in The Patriot where, where Mel Gibson's having a conversation with the woman he loves and, and he's avoided war up until this point because he knew the violence of war and he knew... He knew that it would destroy his soul, but he watched war affect his family. And at this point, he knew he had to fight. He was overwhelmed with guilt. And, and she looks at him in that scene and she said, you have done nothing wrong. And he said, I have done nothing. And that is wrong. You see, to stand by and do nothing is just as big a wrong as doing the wrong. We do justice. So I got a question for you. At what point in time did you quit on your dream? When did you get distracted? Was it 2020? Was it 1991 or 82? Was it yesterday? Here's the big one. When did you stop believing? When did you stop believing that you were big? When did you stop believing that God was big? When did you stop believing that you were enough? Or did you ever? It's time to pick up where you left off. It's time to grow. 2021 is going to look different. It's time to do justice.
It's time to get first things first. Stop being a little kid. Like Paul said, it's time to put away the childish things. Step into the light. Let's grow. How? How? It's been so long. I, I, what do we do? Three things and we're done. First one, believe again. You got to believe. You got to believe that what he says is true. You got to believe in God and you got to believe in you. And there's a hard one. You got to believe in other people because you can't do it on your own. You're going to have to believe again. How do I do that? How do I strengthen my faith? How do I build my relationship with God? How do, how do I make it happen? How do I get stronger? You set a time, get a place, and have a plan. I've seen it so many times, and I've done it so many times in my life, and I've heard so many people with good intentions. About how this will be my best year yet. I'm going to grow in my relationship with God. Cool. How? Because we're going to be here again next year. And you're going to be saying the same thing. I'm going to grow in my relationship with God. Great. That's not. that. We all want to do that. I'm going to get healthier. Yay. Cool. How? When? How? Let's get specific. How are we going to do it? You set a time. What do you mean, Dusty? Make an appointment. Make an appointment with God. <laughs> you do it with people. If I stand right here and say, my main number one goal for this year is I'm going to strengthen my relationship with Tracy. And I never make an appointment to go meet with him or have lunch with him or talk to him or message him or call him or... You know, get to know some things about him I haven't or open up to him or anyone. Guess what? Next year, I'm not going to be any closer to Tracy than I am right now. Why? Because I, I wasn't intentional. That's a great idea and a great thought, but I didn't make an appointment. I didn't make it happen. I hear people say, I just want to be spontaneous in my relationship with the Lord. Well, that's not how you got your wife. Right? <laughs> Spontaneously happened to be there and had a ring and a preacher. Nope. That ain't what happened. You were very intentional. But I'm going to be spontaneous in the most important relationship ever in the universe of the history of the world. You don't accidentally have lunch with a friend. You have to actually make a plan. You get a place. What do you mean by get a place? You, you find a place. You're intentional about it. You get a place. I have places. You make your truck that place or your office that place or your bedroom that place or somewhere. You, you get a place where you're going to spend time. You're going to pray. You're going to read. You're going to listen. 
You're going to spend your Jesus time. You're going to meditate, however you want to say it. But you find a place where you can block out the distractions and the noise. And then what? You have a plan. What are you going to do? I'm going to turn on some worship music. I'm going to plan on reading, you know, a few verses. I'm going to write in my journal. I'm going to, what, like, have a plan. I'm going to listen to this podcast, and that's how I'm going to grow in this area. But you have to have a plan. Well, how am I going to do justice? Set a time. Get a place. Have a plan. When? Do you know that in my life and in my world that God speaks so loud and so clear one certain time of every single week never fails. And that is from 4 a.m. to 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings every week. Do you know why? Because I get up, because there's great importance and a heaviness and a weight, and I want to be, I want to be prepared to stand up here and preach and to bring my message. And that's why so many times I stand up here and say, Oh, God changed up my message, or I had to change this thing. Guess when that got written? I probably write 50% of my messages between four and eleven a.m. on Sunday mornings. Why is that? God just speaks louder during that time? No. It's because I set a time. That's my appointment. And it doesn't matter if I get in bed at 1 or 2 a.m. or whatever. I know I don't care. I'm going to do without sleep. I'll that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Because it's very important to me that I have that time. In that time, I can't help anybody I will not be distracted. If you ask me to come out and help weed eat, I'm going to say no. If you ask me to help you to move on Sunday morning, I'm going to tell you no. In fact, some of y'all know and some of y'all made comments that I'm rude because I go in my office and put in earbuds so I can't hear. Some of y'all have knocked on my office door on Sunday morning. And I'm not trying to be rude. I didn't hear you. Because I have designated that time where I must hear his voice and I do but that could happen on Monday afternoon if that's when I did it and, and it's not just setting a time see you get a place set up the atmosphere in my office and you have a plan and I've figured out what works for me and it, other stuff would work for you and there's certain songs and worship music and stuff that will get me there create an atmosphere and I I'll light candles and do all kind of stuff just because that's what that's what gets me there it's when I'm most productive alright so the other two aren't going to take near that long that was believe again need to believe again the second one you got to go all in you can never expect to get to the depths that God wants you to get to when you keep on poking your foot in and pulling your foot out. You put your right foot in, you put your right foot out. 
that foot in, shake it all about. Like that's not supposed to be our Christian journey is the hokey pokey. Well, we keep stepping in, stepping out, stepping in, stepping out, stepping in, going deeper. Jesus, take me deeper. Oh, and Jesus, take me higher. I'm back out. Right? Like, that's, not, that's not what we're called to do. We're supposed to go all in. Give everything. I love, I've read y'all this quote before out of, out of this little book that Steve gave me called All In. I'm going to read you the quote again. Um, and, and basically, the book is just about these old missionaries that they used to take a wooden coffin and they would pack everything that they own in the coffin. Everything. Because God called them to a certain place to go shine a light and be missionaries. And so they would kiss and hug their family goodbye, pack their coffin, and go to wherever God sent them. They'd buy a one-way ticket, and that was it. And uh, there was this guy, and he knew that God called him to this tribe of headhunters. And several missionaries had gone before and gotten eaten. And he knew that God called him to go and love them. And people said, you're going to get killed. They're going to kill you and eat you. They're cannibals. They're headhunters. And he said, no, it's, it's what God's called me to do. It's my purpose. And so he packed his coffin and he went. And for 35 years, he lived there in that village, ministering to people and loving the people. And, and when he died, they, ver- they buried him right in the middle of the village with this big monument. And on the, on the tombstone, it said, when he came, there was no light. And when he left, there was no darkness. When did we start believing that God wants to send us to safe places to do easy things? That faithfulness is holding the fort. Or that playing it safe is safe. Or that there's any greater privilege than sacrifice. That radical is anything but normal. Jesus didn't die to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous. Faithfulness is not holding the fort. It's storming the gates. The will of God is not an insurance plan. It's a daring plan. The complete surrender of your life to the cause of Christ isn't radical. It's normal. It's time to quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. It's time to go all in and all out for the all in all. Pack your coffin. We've got to go all in. And sometimes that's scary. It's definitely going to take some courage. Social psychologists say that time is a key factor in regret. In the short term... You regret the things you did. You regret a mistake you just made or something you looked at that you shouldn't have looked at or the, uh, the cuss word you just called your spouse or whatever, something you just did. In the short term, you regret the things you did. But over time, you will regret the things you didn't do. They call it 
inaction regrets. And they say that inaction regrets outweigh action regrets by 84%. 84%. That means that at the end of your life, you will regret way more the things that you didn't do. The times that you didn't stand up for the weak. The times that you didn't do justice. The times that you didn't love mercy or go all in. And you'll spend your life wondering, what if I would have gave it my all? How good could I have been if I gave myself to it? Man, how powerful could my prayers have been if I would have fasted? I don't know what it is for you. But it's time to go all in. Last one. Give it to Jesus. He's the author. And the finisher. Colossians 1, 16. Christ holds it all together we look at this son and we see the God who cannot be seen we look at this son and we see God's original purpose in everything created for everything absolutely everything above and below visible and invisible rank after rank after rank of angels everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him that's where you'll find your purpose he was there before any of it came into existence and he holds it all together right up into this moment and when it comes to the church that's us he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body Ephesians 1.11 It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, He is working out in everything and everyone. It starts with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. So we got to go all in and serve and give. It's time to be big. Acts 10.35 says, and this is the last one. Peter fairly exploded with his good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. 
it makes no difference who you are or or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as He says, the door's open. The message He sent to the children of Israel that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. He's putting it back together. Well, He's doing it everywhere. Among everyone. Nobody's excluded. Doesn't matter where you're from. Where you've been, the door's open. You're invited to come in and be part of the story. You've just got to cross that line of faith. You got to take that step. You got to believe again. So believe again. Go all in. Give it to Jesus. He's all that we need. God, thank you. Thanks for speaking to our hearts and our minds. God, thank you that you're all that we need. Help us to get our priorities right. God, shine a light on the areas of our life where we're seeking other things above you and your kingdom and and what's right. We want to look like you, Dad. So we're going to do justice. And we're going to love mercy. We're going to learn to do the right thing. Even if we have to do it over and over and over and over again until we finally get it right. We will seek justice. And we're going to do all the good we can. We'll stand up for the weak. And we will shine. God, we love you. Thanks for all that you're doing. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.